Welcome to Christ and Culture, a podcast about two kingdoms, man's kingdom and God's kingdom, and how they collide. What's up, guys? This is Christ and Culture, man, and we have my good buddy Ben Sutton on today, and I'm so happy he's here. He's going to talk to us a little bit about LDS and how to evangelize what they are, who they are, and all that stuff, man, because he has a passion for them. So I'm going to let him introduce himself so that way he can tell us who he is, what he does, and why it's cool. Well, thank you, Paul. Yeah, I, I've i known Paul for actually quite a few years now. Um, but yep. my name is Ben Sutton. I am a PhD student. I'm in my dissertation stage now, and I am writing on the doctrines of the LDS Church and how evangelicals specifically can share the message of Jesus with those within the LDS faith. Uh, I myself am an evangelical, um, and so I am writing towards how the LDS individuals, that community, the culture, can come to know Jesus. Man, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, because I have I got a bunch of questions for you, man, and I think that the audience has some questions too. And if they don't, man, I think they need to know some of the things that we're going to be talking about. Because for me, it seemed like uh, well, actually, it's it's kind of like what you were, we were talking about before we actually jumped on the podcast, and you were saying that you had grew up in an area with a lot of uh, LDS kids. You had a lot of friends and you kind of knew that, that as Christians, that they're different, but I'm doing these drop quotes, my fingers that they're different, but you never knew anything about their religion or their beliefs or their practices or anything. So, man, I want to ask you like in a nutshell, what is uh, Mormonism or Latter-day Saints? What is it? Yeah, there's a there's a whole lot there, so I can only give you just a brief synopsis of it. But <clears throat> the term Mormonism actually isn't uh, their name. They you know they were called Mormons by people who were not in that faith. They're they're what they call, what they call themselves now, and what they would prefer to be called as Latter Day Saints, or uh, and their big emphasis is we are the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Um, so they'll say, Hey, I'm a, I'm a saint or I'm a latter day saint, or I'm a part of the church. They'll say, they'll say things like that, but just Mormonism, just for the sake of this conversation, Mormonism in general is a belief that originally began in 1830 by Joseph Smith is, uh, <clears throat> and many others start to come along and join him. But today Mormonism, I believe, is the sixth largest relig- growing religion right now. It's uh, the sixth largest. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's only about, what is that, uh, about 190-ish years old. So in the grand scheme of things in world history, it's a very, very new religion. Uh, and so it yeah. has just exploded in the past less than 200 years now. Um so Mormonism is a belief that basically says that they are the original church. And when the apostles died, the original apostles died, the church started to, over time, apostate and started to compromise their beliefs and change their beliefs. Some of them will say the Edict in Milan by Constantine was the time the great apostasy happened. They call it the great apostasy uh, others will say it's when the apostles died. That's when the great apostasy happened. It really depends on 
which LDS friend you're talking to, but they'll they'll generally all affirm that the great apostasy occurred somewhere roughly after the original apostles died, whether 100 to 300 years later. Um, and during this time, they believe this thing called the priesthood authority, the power of the priesthood authority, that was necessary. And they say that existed with the apostles and they passed it on to the church. But because they compromised and because they apostated, the priesthood authority was removed. And so we had the church apostized, apostized meaning compromised, left the faith, all the way until you get the time of Joseph Smith, where Joseph Smith in the early 1800s says he has these uh, visions. He says the Heavenly Father and Jesus appeared to him and that he was going to restore the church, that all the other churches have apostated, that he was going to restore the church. And then through many, many other events, through saying he finds things and claims he sees things, uh, he founds the what is now called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in 1830, when the Book of Mormon also was published in 1830, uh, the first edition. So uh, Mormonism is a new religious movement that claims that they are the restored Christianity from the apostles some 2,000 years ago. Man, that is quite some story, man. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's odd to think that they believe the, the church has become apostate after the apostles died. Did they have any kind of reason why it was like that? Uh, you know, why they think that uh, we've strayed so far from what was originally um, what Christ intended? Uh, certainly, yeah. It's kind of a multifaceted approach, but one one of them is the, the creeds. Like they'll look at the Nicene Creed, the Chalcedon Creed, Creed of Constantinople, which are just ancient church historical, you know, doctrinal doctrinal creeds, and they'll say those yeah. are introducing uh, things like the Trinity that shouldn't really have ever belonged into the original message. But they say the church fathers introduced the Trinity into their line of thinking. Uh, another one is, I mean, you know, they they claim that there's a priesthood authority priesthood authority, and, and that's a whole different topic, but basically it's it's power to be able to do certain religious ideas and exercises. Well, they say that that always has needed to be ex in existence. So they say because the, the church did not, did not hold to priesthood authority, they say, well, that's apostate, so we need to restore the original church so we can get again the priesthood authority. So they're reading their doctrine into history rather than letting history inform their doctrine. Um, now it's not, yeah. it's not just Latter-day Saints who, who read their ideas into the Bible or into history. Lots of other religions do that, but they certainly are guilty of that where they say priesthood authority exists. Therefore, we need to make sure that we can go back in history and then say we need to recover it. It's, it's a very niche conversation. It is uh, it is kind of confusing and 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 um, convoluted, and that's why we got people like you that study it, man. But uh, I think it's uh, important for us to know, and so I really want to know, kind of like, why is it important for us to know that this this uh, LDS movement is not Christian? Mm -hmm. And then uh, the follow up question would be like, what are some of the differences? that we need to know as Christians 
um, between the two uh, religions. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I, the reason, the answer to your question is all about what Colossians, is it 2 or Colossians 3, talks about not being deceived by philosophies and man with plausible arguments. Um, mm. And so ideas come, they always come into the church. Galatians had the same thing where he had the Judaizers preaching circumcision uh, and Paul saying, if I or an angel deliver to you a different message, let those people be accursed. And he repeats himself. He says that twice. Let them be accursed, meaning let them be cut off from faith. Let them go to hell is what he's saying. So preserving the message of Christianity is what the apostle Paul says, who's inspired by the Holy Spirit is a vital thing. And so to compromise the contents of the gospel is something not to trifle with. It's something you don't even want to tango with. So it's really important to know uh, from a Christian perspective, you want to know what our LDS friends believe, not because it's spiritually informing or devotional, certainly not, but because they believe something that is contrary to what the New Testament teaches. Um, and not just a little bit contrary, vastly contrary. And so I want to know what my LDS friends believe so that I can understand where they're coming from, not to attack them or not to, uh, you know, try to bully them or, or whatever. I want to understand what they believe so that I can enter the conversation with them and then share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. I can contextualize some things. I know what they mean when they say Heavenly Father or Jesus, but my primary focus is, and what all Christians should do, is have a preliminary knowledge of what these different religions believe so that we can enter a conversation and proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ to them and hope that some are saved. Yeah, that's uh, that's well said, definitely. We don't want to um, learn this stuff for to berate them or anything, but actually be able to enter the conversation to understand the words, the key words that they use when they say them, which could be the same words for us, but have a completely different meaning. Yeah. And one thing that you said that I want to, uh, I want to get clarification on is that you said that they have a different understanding of the gospel. Mm. And like you said, that's the most important thing. Like Paul said, man, may be a curse if uh, he preaches any other. He says, if an angel of the, he said, if an angel of light came to us and gave us any other gospel, may he be a curse, man. That's that's some strong words. And so, uh, if the uh, LDS Church is bringing another gospel, what is that gospel, and how is it different from uh, the gospel that we believe that is in the scriptures? Yeah. Again, there is so much to unpack there. So I'm giving you such, such, you yeah, know, the... 50,000 foot view here. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I, you could do a whole season of episodes of just, hey, what is their idea of the gospel? And what does the Bible teach about the gospel? Mm. So they think, you know, the first four things in what they call the articles of faith. Some of the first four things they say that you need to do in order to become a you know Mormon and a Latter Day Saint is that you need to repent, you need to exercise faith, you need to be baptized, and you have to have laying on the hands uh, to receive the Holy Ghost is what they call it. So those are the first four things that you need to do that show, hey, I am serious. I am now Mormon. 
Once mm-hmm. you do those four things, then you go through a, a, a time. I can't even remember exactly. It's kind of different per region of the world. But you go through a time period of exercising faithfulness. So it's repenting, living the word of wisdom is what they call certain lifestyle codes and certain things you do, uh, faithfulness financially, sexually, um, uh, lifestyle, just lifestyle faithfulness for according to them, for a set amount of time. And after that, you will go to the temple, one of the temples. I believe there's 167 or 169 temples in the world. You need to go to a temple, so you get a temple recommendation card from your bishop of your local ward. And you go to the temple, and you'll do all these different duties at the temple, such as um, taking endowments, baptize for the dead, uh, eventually sealing, which is a, a doctrine of eternal families and Sealing for your dead ancestors and for your spouse and for your children, all of that. Um, but their idea of the gospel is enduring to the end. That's a big phrase for them. They need to endure to the end. So be faithful to, to the Mormon theology for the rest of your life. And they have this concept called the doctrine of progression. So they say you need to do these things. You know, first initially repent. Uh, faith, baptize, have laying of hands. You need to go to the temple for the first time, and then you need to go to the temple for the remainder of your life, as many times as feasible, many times as tenable, I should say, as long as you have your temple recommendation card from your bishop. Um, so you go to the temple and perform these duties, such as, again, being baptized for the dead, uh, having these things called sealings, which is incorporating your family members as well as your dead family members, uh, ancestors, into your family so that eventually you can be with them forever. Um, You need to take endowments uh, and make covenants with a heavenly father at the temple. So there's a lot of these different things that occur and as well as outside of the temple that they need to do, such as tithe and, and the more that they do, the more that they progress. And they think that eventually you can progress all the way into what is called the celestial kingdom. And the celestial kingdom is the highest level of the afterlife. And in that place, you can obtain godhood. Uh, if you're a man, you obtain godhood. And if you're a woman, you obtain divinity and, and godhood too. But it's really kind of emphasis is on the male. Uh, but then their role is that they create their own universe and they populate that universe with spirit children. And then they'll enact their plan of, redemption or happiness into their universe so the gospel to them is they need it jesus died for them he paid for sins and now because he's made them neutral sins were bad jesus's death neutralized everyone everyone in the world and now they progress into the highest kingdom that's quite a uh, uh quite a, a a belief system man uh so if I'm getting this right, it's it's a works based thing that uh, and then not only that, but the end goal is completely different where they would become gods. And it sounds like the God that be, they become is kind of like the God that they believe in because they get to create the universe and enact their purpose of redemption upon that universe as well. So that's um that's an incredible that's an incredible insight to what it is to actually be a part of the LDS community. And that is far different 
than what we believe as Christians. And so that's tough to, to, to find somebody that only scratched the surface of their religion and then believes in it and then come to find out that there's a whole lot more going on than uh, what they thought. And a question that, that kind of goes along with the, um, the idea of their, their gospel or their belief system is, is, is Jesus. Cause Jesus is at the core. And you say that Jesus died for their sins to make them neutral, not to give them life or to, to give them a uh, uh, freedom from their sins, but just to, to make them on an even playing field again. What's the differences? Uh, what are more differences, I should say, between the Jesus that the LDS people believe in as regards to the Jesus that's actually in the scriptures? Jesus, just thinking of the atonement really quickly, they say that Jesus began to atone for sins in the Garden of Gethsemane because... The Bible says, you know, Jesus started to bleed because he was so anxious. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they say, well, look, he was atoning for sin, even beginning in the garden. And that the cross was just another part of the atonement. But they think they, they, I mean, they'll say Jesus's death was necessary. They think he died, resurrected from the dead. They say all that's true. Yes, I believe that. But again, they think that sin is... Everyone, everyone has sinned, and everyone needed payment for sin. So they think Jesus' death paid for the world's sin. And now, because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the whole world is essentially made net neutral, where now yeah. everyone will be resurrected into eternal life. But depending on what you do with your life depends on what level of the afterlife you will go. And so... Mormonism in general is kind of a, it's kind of like a, an inclusivist or almost a universalist religion in a sense because they believe everybody, not everybody, but overwhelming majority of people will be going to some level of heaven. Um, mm. Those who are, you know, good, faithful, religious people, you know, they think like like us evangelicals, they think. Oh yeah, we're good. We, you know, we're we believe in Jesus. We're good people for the most part. As long as you're a good person and a good Christian, and you know, just a good moral person, you'll probably go to the second level. Uh, you might go to the first level. You might go to the second level, depending on how good you were, what you did. Um, but they think if I'm an LDS and I'm a really good LDS and I'm a faithful LDS, I can get to the celestial kingdom. Um, and even in the celestial wow. kingdom, I believe there's three levels in the celestial kingdom. So it's it's all just again the doctrine of progression. Depending on what you do is depending yeah. on where you will go in the afterlife. And they have a concept of hell. They call it outer darkness, and it really is only for those who are really bad people, such as murderers. Those who I believe I believe they think. Uh, if you've apostated from the LDS faith, uh, if you're a murderer, an apostate, or you know, just like a really, really horrible person, those people will go to outer darkness. But it's very few. The overwhelming majority mm. of people will go into some level of heaven. You look at the Bible, though. On the contrary, in the Christian faith, Jesus says, "Wide is the road," and and many on the path who will go to destruction and only and the and the road to life yeah. is narrow. 
and only few will be on it and only few will find it. So in Christianity, I mean, Jesus just totally contradicts that whole concept by saying, no, actually, hell is where the overwhelming majority of people will go and only a few people will go to heaven. So it's completely the opposite there. Yeah, Yeah, it is, man. When you said that, I guess it didn't click until you actually started to say is that it's more of a universalist type thing because if everybody's net even, then everybody's just going to heaven. And then it's just how good you are gets to say how good your, your, your heaven's going to be. And that is quite the opposite of, of what, uh, of what Jesus has taught and what he spoke when he walked this earth. Yeah. So what, um, what are some ways that, that, as a Christian, if I come across an LDS person, uh, my wife actually is is uh, uh, does some work with a lot of LDS people, and, and she was asking me some of these questions. What are some ways that we can uh, evangelize to LDS members? Yeah, I think, you know, two things here. Think of uh, John 4 where Jesus is, he's walking, and the text says in John 4, he had to go pass through Samaria. And so he passes through Samaria, and he sits down, and as a human being, he experiences, he experiences at that time thirst. And so he sits down, he's tired, and he has by a well. And a woman, a lady comes out, and she's drawing water, and he has this wonderful conversation with her where he says, you know, Basically, can I have a drink of water? And then he uses that as a trajectory point to say, you know, you can drink this water, but you will be thirsty. But I give waters of eternal life or of living waters. And if you drink these waters, you'll never thirst again. And she says, sir, give me these living waters. And she also says another time, I don't have a bucket. How will I get this water? And so Jesus is using this conversation with this lady just to be able to, he's pointing to himself the entire time. Um, but he's using, you know, connecting points to be able to share truth with her. Um, eventually she goes into the town and says, I've met a man who's told me everything I've ever done. And then all these people come and, and meet Jesus and says, Jesus stayed with him for a few days. Um, so I think the, the impl- one, one implication you can draw there is go meet people, go connect with people and be proactive, not reactive, be proactive in starting spiritual conversations um, and, and, and contextualize them and care for them and love them. You don't berate them. You don't insult them. You, first Peter three fifteen tells us revere Christ in your heart. Always be ready to give a defense for those who ask with, there's an important prepositional phrase there with gentleness and respect. Um, some people yeah, with all gentleness and respect. Yeah. Some people may forget that gentleness and respect part, but that's a necessary. Component. <laughs> um, yeah. So, John 4 teaches us to go out, meet lost people, and start gospel conversations with people and care for them and love them, but share truth, verbally share truth. You have not shared the gospel until you verbally tell somebody about the gospel. So that's one. And then two mm-hmm. is Acts 17, 16 to 34. This is a wonderful passage where Paul is in Athens and he interacts with these people called the Epicureans and Stoics. I, I really encourage you to go read that, that passage sometime. It's a fascinating story. 
he goes up onto the hill. He's in the marketplace and he's he's sharing the gospel. And it says these people say, what is this ignorant show-off talking about? Who's this seed plucker is what the literal Greek says. Um, and they say, we want to hear more about you. So he goes on top of Mars Hill and he says, men of Athens, I see you have many idols. And he even says, and I see you have one idol to the unknown God. Just in case you don't know who what God you're worshiping, you have an idol to the unknown God. And he uses that little connecting point to say, you have an idol to the unknown God. Let me tell you who the unknown God is. And then he says, this God, who's the real God, he is the creator of the universe. He does not need a temple made by human hands as, the, as if though he needed anything. He sustains you. Um, in him, you live and move and have your being. Um he says that he created all of us equal. They, Epicurean Stoics thought that Grecians came from the dirt of Greece herself and that they were the most ethnically pure. And Paul says, no, no, no. You all are created by this one creator. Um, there's other parts where Paul says, now is the time or now is the time of ignorance to cease. And now is the time to repent because this God resurrected Jesus from the dead. And you read the very end part of that story at the very end of chapter 17 in Acts. And it says they scoffed, most of them scoffed at the mention of the resurrection because they thought this guy doesn't know what he's talking This is an uneducated guy. Another reaction was, ooh, we want to hear more about that. And then the third reaction was some believed and follow Paul. Mm. Uh, and so that whole text, an implication of that is uh, Paul knew what Epicureans and Stoics believed. Because if you know anything about Epicureanism and Stoicism, uh, they believed there was a plurality of gods. You had to go to a temple to serve him, that they were the most ethnically pure people. They think that being ignorant was shameful and dishonoring and scoffful. you could scoff at being ignorant. And Paul just nails their theological high points. He says, you think you need a temple? Mm -hmm. This God doesn't need a temple. You think there's a plurality of gods? No, there's one God. You think you were all ethnically the best? No, no, no. God made you all equal. You think being ignorant is shameful? Well, you are ignorant. And you think that you don't need to repent? Mm. You do need to repent. And now is the time to repent. Uh, and this idea of resurrection, you think resurrection is crazy? Well, guess what? God resurrected from the dead. So what Paul's doing in Acts 17 is he's looking at what they believe, Epicureans and Stoics, and he knows what they believe, and he just nails the theological high points of their system. I mean, just just crushes it yeah. with the gospel. He contextualized <laughs> the gospel and just crushed it. He was brilliant. Uh, and some people, most people rejected him. Some people said, we want to know more, maybe even believed later, and then some people believed. So that is a ton of info for all of this. This one point I'm making is... You share the gospel to an LDS individual, but you share it knowing what they believe, some preliminary things of what they believe. You share the gospel contextualized to them. You contrast the theological high points. So they believe temples, uh, physical temples on earth, the current prophet, um, priesthood authority. These things are huge doctrinal ideas. If you take those things out of Mormonism, mm. they don't have Mormonism. And so then you share the yeah. gospel saying, we don't need a temple anymore because Jesus completely fulfilled all the things of the temple. 
We don't need, there is no such thing as a priesthood authority. And in fact, Hebrews says that Jesus is the best priest and he is our great high priest and final priest uh, and prophet and king. We don't need a prophet because again, Hebrews as well as Second um, Timothy talks about the finality of the prophet and Jesus was that final prophet. And so for me to go to a temple, to listen to anybody as a prophet, to I subscribe to this priesthood authority idea is actually offensive to God. And it's contrary to what he wants for you. Uh, so let me tell you about what the actual message is and then you share the gospel. Yeah, that's good, man. It's, it's, it's good because of the points that you made on the LDS and how we can uh, um, evangelize to them. But it's also good because of how you talk about um, evangelizing to any other person, regardless of what it is that they believe, because that does that is a very, uh, a very good way in which we can understand the people that are around us and then contextualize the gospel in that manner. It's like we think about the high points that they have in their uh, thought process, whether it's religious, secular, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we contrast those with the, the, the scriptures. Man, that was, that was a good word. But uh, to highlight the points again, you said it's the temple and the prophet. Those are uh, uh, the, the main things that the LDS people believe. Oh, and the priesthood. The temple, the prophet, and the priesthood are the, uh, the uh, main ideas that without that, then LDS uh, or Mormonism tumbles under. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that that thought, man, because um, it is it is difficult sometimes with the way that they talk about the things that um, we talk about, and they share similar language. And so, because of that, it just kind of gets confusing. And so, I think, man, if we just keep those those three things center in our mind as we uh, speak about the gospel with them then it'll help us uh, to keep that clear head, man. Mm -hmm. One more thing is uh, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but uh, why do you have such a passion uh, for the LDS people and ministering to them and sharing the gospel? with them? Uh, I have such a passion for two reasons. One is uh, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20 tells us that we as Christians have no other responsibility on this life and on this earth than to go into all parts of the world and to proclaim the truth and make disciples of all nations. Ethnos is the Greek word for that, meaning all ethnicities. Um, and so Jesus's vision is not localized to one place. It is a worldwide religion that can, that can save every man, woman, and child. Um, and Jesus commands his followers to filter everything through the Great Commission. And so everyone has to be either a goer or a sender. So everyone who is a believer has to be a, a person who either goes to those people, to whatever ends of the earth, to proclaim the message of Jesus. Or you need to be a sender, which means you need to prayerfully and financially support those who are going and encourage um, so you're either as a Christian, you're either a goer or a sender. You don't have any other choice. And if you're not in that, you're disobedient because Jesus <laughs> expects you to be one of those. Um, so that being said, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus binds believers to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. The second reason 
is uh, when I was 16 years old, I heard the gospel from the preacher. He was preaching 1 Timothy 1.15, which says, But this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus died, came into the world and died for sinners, of whom I'm the chief of sinners. And I remember when I heard that, I thought Jesus was saying that, and I was confused. And so I remember I asked the pastor and I asked my mom, what is, what is that talking about? You know, why, why, why is Jesus saying he's the chief of sinners? And they told me, no, 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 that's not Jesus. That, that's Paul saying that. And they showed me the story of Paul. And dude, I, I remember when I was 16 years old, after they showed me the story of Paul, and they pointed me, to, pointed me to Acts 9. There was the life before Christ, Paul's encounter with Jesus, and now his life after Jesus. And I remember when I was 16, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh, if Paul, if Paul can have forgiveness, and it was kind of a comparison game, but like he was a murderer, he put people in prison, but if he became a Christian and was forgiven, remember I was like, man, I want that. Like I want that life change. I want that Jesus that he has. I want I want to commit my life to Christ like like he lived like that way. And so when I was 16, I remember I I realized I was a sinner and I could not save myself, and I wanted Jesus. And so I remember I committed my life to Christ as as my Lord and my Savior. Uh, And the reason I share that is because somebody took the time to share what the message of Jesus was to me. And because of that, my life is forever changed. And, dude, I can't tell you how thankful I am for somebody who shared that message with me. If I didn't hear that then, maybe I would have became a believer later, but maybe I wouldn't have. Um, and so I would hate the fact of, man, I was saved because somebody shared the gospel with me, and then I just lived my life never doing anything about it with others. If I had the right yeah. to hear the gospel and somebody gave me the opportunity to hear the gospel, I have no choice but to let others hear what the gospel is too. Um, yeah. and then the third reason and the last reason why I got involved with LDS is because I grew up in Colorado and Alaska and I lived in Arizona for a time too. And all three of those places have a heavy LDS population. Um, and growing up, I had LDS friends. Uh, I can still think of them, all their names now, where they're at. Some of them are doctors. Uh, one's a lawyer. One's a, a UPS driver, one's a pilot. And I had no clue when I was growing up with them what they believed. They were my friends. I hung out with them. I went to their birthday parties. Uh, I played on the playground with them in elementary school. Uh, but now on this side of being a Christian and being older and understanding what they believe, it when I first started studying Mormonism, it broke my heart because I had all these friends that I grew up with who were as spiritually um, spiritually devoid of truth, uh, lost uh, people who, if they do not repent and believe in Jesus, will enter a Christless eternity. And it broke my heart. And so I just knew if the Lord afforded me the opportunity to continue studying in the Ph.D., and be able to write the dissertation and do ministry with the LDS. I knew I wanted to do something with that. And so my wife and I, we actually work quite a bit with uh, LDS in our in our ministry capacity. And so I have a heart for the LDS, as is my wife, as does my wife. And uh, 
we love the LDS people. We're friends with the LDS people and we're heartbroken for the LDS people. Man, it's, it's a definitely a situation in which man, people need to be more informed so that way they can minister to those people because I know that they think uh, they're walking on a, a righteous path, man. And that, that path, it says there's a way that leads to a man that he thinks is right, but it leads to destruction, man. And so um, I feel like they're in that, in that realm is they're being deceived. And I think that's the problem that Paul talks about in the scriptures oftentimes is that they're wolves that come in and try and snatch the gospel and change it and corrupt it for their own means and their own gain. And that's why he said they ought to be a curse. It's because like, that's the worst thing to be leading somebody. Uh, Jesus says it as well. He's like, man, he put them the millstones on their neck and be cast into the sea because they're leading people astray. And uh, to me, it seems like that's almost worse than living a a, a lascivious life or a a corrupt life or, you know, a life of debauchery, because at least in that way, you know that you are are, uh, living a life contrary to God. But then when, when someone tells you that you're living the way that God has called you to live, yet it's still evil and and uh, uh and devoid of god and truth man that's that's tough man so we appreciate your, your work out there and if any of you guys that are listening man feel called to do or learn or know more about any of this stuff man oh uh, yeah where, where can we uh, uh where can we go and look for this stuff or or can we get in contact with you or something and and how to 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 learn more about the lds people and how to evangelize to them yeah um, definitely, uh, if you are interested in LDS, uh, ministry, get in contact with me, my wife and I literally, we work, uh, in a ministry context that reaching LDS people as well as with, uh, a church, uh, that focuses on proclaiming the gospel. Um, I will say whether you're considering going to LDS mission field or not. I hope and pray you and whoever else is listening to this, uh, Luke 10 too. Uh, a lot of times I used to have on my phone, my wife still does, as well as a lot of our coworkers, we have an alarm set at 10.02 uh, to remind us to pray because in Luke 10 too, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of harvest yeah. that he would send more labors out. And so at Lutensu, we pray for more labors. So wherever it may be, I hope that it's to the LDS people in Idaho, Utah, Arizona, or wherever you may be. That's predominantly where a lot, a large population is. But wherever you may be, I pray that you would be a person who would pray for labors to go out in the harvest field and for, more, and for yourself to go into the harvest field via vocational ministry, or getting a marketplace job and just sharing truth in the marketplace job through the relationships that you build. Um, or the people that you meet to share the gospel is what I mean. But um, so that's one. And then two, um, again, every Christian, Luke 19:10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If that's Jesus' heartbeat, we too, as Christians, have to have the same heartbeat as Jesus and his heart was for lost people. So man, I can attest to you just in my context. 
there are so, 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 underline, 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 highlight, so you Christians in this area. Uh, I, I interact with people who've never met an evangelical in their life. And this is America. Um, I've met people who have never even heard the gospel before. In fact, I, I have, I know somebody in this area who became a believer. He wasn't even LDS. He was just in this area, became a believer. Uh, and when he heard the gospel, he never heard that message before. <laughs> and he grew up in 21st century English speaking America government, United States of America. Um, he never even knew what the message of Jesus was. So please consider praying, sending more labors, financially supporting. That is such a huge needed aspect is financially supporting missionaries uh, in this area and then praying for missionaries and encouraging the missionaries and pastors here. For sure. That's what that's what needs to happen. Yeah, yeah for sure, man. For sure. How can we get a hold of you if we need to, man? You got a Twitter or Instagram or uh, Facebook or <laughs> I have no social media. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can send me maybe a carrier pigeon or something. No, um, <laughs> I, I'm in NAM endorsed missionary, North American mission board missionary. Um, so that's the Southern Baptist conventions, North American mission agency. So I'm a NAM missionary. You could go to NAM's website, nam.net and find me on there. Just look up missionaries, okay, awesome. Ben Sutton, and then you could find me. And it has a little biography of my wife and I there. Oh, okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. So check that out, guys. Check that out, man. And hey, we appreciate you so much for coming on and just um, like giving us a little lowdown on the LDS. And we know there's a whole bunch of stuff, but we appreciate you scratching the surface for us because like even the stuff that you talked about, I had no, I had no clue. <laughs> or uh under understanding about man and uh if you can leave us with something i don't know if you know this but you probably do but is there what's what's up with the special underwear what is all that about <laughs> that is a common question um they're called temple undergarments and you you wear those uh to signify your your covenants that you made to heavenly father and so it's a physical reminder to remind yourself of the covenants that you made to him. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's crazy, but I guess that's, everybody has a thing, right? <laughs> All right. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for uh, visiting man and uh, being able to let us know just a little bit more about this and how we can witness to the LDS people. Yeah. That's Thanks cool. so much for, for coming on. Love an LDS individual. Pursue that conversation with them. You don't berate them or anything like that. Share the message of Jesus with them and love it with gentleness and respect. And trust the Holy Spirit with the results. Yeah, for sure. I like that last part. Trust the Holy Spirit with the results. I think that's sometimes why we uh, are afraid to do it is because we feel like we've got to do all of this stuff. But we've got to just trust trust the Spirit of God to do what he does and only be faithful to do what we're supposed to do. Yeah, good word, my brother. Bro. 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 Bro.